don't come out of your 20s without having completed your past, right? Don't come out of your 20s without having done that work. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks Cut from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to rock a bar Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring that Welcome to the show. Matt Labrie here, your host of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. And I'm going to kick this off with gratitude and say thank you for you showing up here for yourself today and putting in that work. You could be doing anything else, whether that be playing video games, driving, listening to music, whatever it may be, but you're listening to a podcast. So I'm giving you kudos. I'm giving you your flowers. As the kids say these days, I'm trying to keep up with these terms. I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job at it or not, but I'm using that term right now. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back. Seriously, though, This show is growing because of you, the people that are sharing these episodes, the people that are reposting our stuff on Instagram. I want to give you your flowers and say thank you and express gratitude for that. Furthermore, it's also growing because of our incredible guests. You just heard from the gentleman that's joining the show. Our friend Gary John Bishop is in the house. Now, he's the author of many books. If I sat here and started to name them all, we would be here for a long time. So I'm going to tell you my favorite. I'm sure you've seen it on bookshelves, if not your own bookshelf or have read it before. He is the author of Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. Now, what we're talking about here today is deep, and I need you to be real. Like, I need you to really remove any mask that you might be wearing, and I just want you to keep it real with yourself. Like, seriously, put your hands over your heart and really keep it real with yourself because I'm going to be honest, I experience this shit too. I'm not perfect. I experience a lot of what we talk about, which is why we're able to talk about it on the show. Gary is bringing us through something, and the conversation kind of started off with the World Cup. We transition furthermore, and we end up talking about the desire and the need to pretend. Have you ever felt like you needed to pretend? Or how about put on a facade when you're in certain rooms, with certain people, at certain events, whatever it may be? Social media, how about that one? The truth of the matter is, let's uncover that. What's under that? That right there is exactly what we're diving into today. This conversation gets deep. I hope you're ready, and I hope you're ready to show up real, not for me, not for Gary, but for yourself. Show up as the real you, be honest with yourself, and let's help you move past this. Now, without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Gary John Bishop. Gary, I love your work. Super excited for you to be here right now. A ton of questions for you, but thank you so much for this opportunity. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I have to ask you, how are you? What's going on in the life of Gary? You're telling me you're in the UK. What's going on? How are you doing? It's kind of wild, actually. I've been, so I'm I'm working on a new book right now, uh, but I have three boys and they're all soccer crazy. So (laughs) one of my, my oldest boy, he's in Germany playing over there. My middle son has got like a bunch of UK clubs that would really like him to come and play here in London if we're going to move here. So, you know, we're just kind of mulling all that over and kind of being with all of that, you know. So it's a crazy time in my family for sure. Well, that I mean, that's a beautiful thing if you have professional clubs looking at the boys. Like, that is absolutely incredible. It leads me to ask you, who do you think is winning the World Cup? Well, I mean, if, if I'm a pretty, this is my sport, right? So, you know, I like to consider myself pretty informed about that subject. But if you go and look at the last 10 or 12 World Cup, it's really only a handful of teams. Mm. It's never, there's never any underdog wins World Cup. It's going to be someone from Argentina, Spain, Brazil, not Germany this time around, maybe France. 
But I'm thinking the Brazilians look pretty hard to beat right now, so it might be their year. Again. Yeah, Brazil has a stacked team, to say the least. I was actually in sure. France during 2018. I know that the World Cup wasn't being played in France, but I was traveling through Europe while they were playing. It's going to bother. They were playing Belgium. I was in Nice. Right. I was in Nice for the game, and the energy around soccer in Europe is next level. Obviously, it's growing here in the United States, and I know that you reside yeah. in the States as well, but it's grown on me because my roots are from France and Italy, so it, All right. it's growing on me, but I, I would love to see France pull it out. I don't know if we're going to be able to. We had an upset today. Yeah, yeah, well, there's that, and then, you know, when you've got, like, uh, the main guy up front is Benzema, and he's out. And, you know, he, you can't lose that kind of talent. I know. Suddenly just turn it on, you know. Absolutely. I'm curious. New book. Are you allowed to give us any sneak peek of what's coming? Yeah. It's actually um, something I've talked about on the on my podcast. I've talked about um, this book that I've been dying to write, really, about the whole thing about being a parent. And it's not a parenting book, right? I'm never going to do that book. <laughs> this is how you raise your children. I'm not going to do that book. That's for people who work out for themselves. But needless to say, you know, my big passion with the whole parent subject is to kind of unpack, well, what is it to be a parent? And and what I've really found out through years of being in this work and from writing this book, obviously, you can't have a meaningful conversation about parents with it going over three generations. You have to deal with how you were parented, mm. how you parent, and then what's it like to be a child of yours? And it's a very, it's an, as usual with everything that I do, it's confronting. And I like to think insightful. I think people are going to get a lot out of this book. You know, I'm really curious to ask this question. I just turned 30 years old a month ago. And one thing on my mind, I would love to reproduce. And, you know, I'll be specific. I would love a son. Right. I would love a son. Okay. And I'd be great. Right. I'd be grateful right. for a daughter as well. But one thing dawned on me this year, growing up, I never looked at my parents as humans which they obviously yeah. are, right? They have their own shit yeah, that goes on yeah. in their life. And right. upon me doing inner work on myself and really you know, going deep and turning inward, I've realized that how much freaking work it takes to be an emotionally available parent, to be there physically yeah. and present and all of that. I'm just curious, like, what's your, yeah. what's your take with that? I think it's the hardest thing anyone will ever do if you're committed to it. You know, because, you know, the reality is some people are not committed to it. You know, they've maybe got hang-ups from their own childhood and they feel as if they missed that. And then they've, now they've got kids and they feel like they're a burden, which is, you know, very, very common, actually. But it, but it is the single most challenging thing you'll ever do because you're wildly exposed in a way that you've never been exposed, you know. And your own childhood will come up and smack you in the face, whether you like it or not. Even if you think you had a great one. No, will come up and smack you in the face because you're left with, then you're left with a stand-up or an ideal and how the hell do I live to that? So I don't care how great or terrible your childhood was, the, the kind of trope that we get caught is my children will never have the childhood that I had, mm. right? So that is usually said by people who feel as if they had a pretty shitty one. They'll say, my children are never going to have my children, a childhood that I had. And what happens is you end up trying to give them the opposite of what happened with you. And... If you just investigate that logic for more than 10 seconds, you'll see that that's what every generation has done. Every generation has tried to 
have their children not have their childhood. Yeah, I guess. And so it goes in cycles. I'm sure. What leads you to parent the way that you parent? Like, you know, you mentioned you look at it in three ways and one of them being, you know, what is it like being a child of Gary? I'm curious, like, what leads you to your parenting style? Well, I mean, I began my personal development journey some 15 something plus years ago. And I got so into this line of work that, you know, I ended up becoming a facilitator for a really, really big personal growth dummy. You don't get to do what I did doing that. I mean, it's it's like being a Navy SEAL or something, right? And I've had conversations with Navy SEALs about this, and they're like, yeah, it's just kind of like that. Not with the physical demand, but the mental demand that it took to become that person mm-hmm. and to become that level of of kind of like, I want to say, like, just having your past be so settled that anybody can ask you anything about it, and you're just free, right? There's just nothing there for you about it. And and that allows you to kind of participate with people in a way where there's kind of an absence of yourself. You're able to just be there for people, basically. So if you fast forward all that and being a parent, when my first son was born, I was in the midst of all of that work. I, you know, churned through my guts for, you know, what seemed like an eternity. And until I really felt as if a tremendous amount of freedom around it. And so when my first son, it seemed a lot clearer. But as I started to stack up the kids, right, because I've got three points. <laughs> so as I started to stack them up, I'm like, this is getting compounded. It's getting more challenging, more complex, and, and a bigger demand on me. And so... What I've noticed now is, and I think this was a massive thing for me in terms of my parenting, is I gave up the idea that I'm supposed to know what the hell I'm doing. Mm. And really, it was like a relief and that I could just be honest about that. And so that's been a big part of, you know, raising my sons is, you know, I'm very upfront about, look, I don't have all this figured out and we're going to do what I'm saying. Which is not always easy, but I'm not, I didn't come, and, and no parent is, you don't come equipped for this. Mm. I don't care what your parents did, you're not equipped because of how exposing and, and how invasive it is to become a parent. I'm making this sound like, you know, it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's the most enriching thing though, you know, it's like unbelievably enriching. It's so, it's so mind blowing um, to participate in life in that role as a parent, you know, it's, I would not change it for anything. I love that. For anything, I wouldn't change it better of it. I would not change it better of it. That's a beautiful thing. And I'm really curious to dive into something that really stood out to me as you were elaborating there. You mentioned that you essentially surrendered to not know it all, right? Like you're, you're okay with that. You pretty much gave up having everything figured out and just, you know, I don't want to say winging it. That's not what you were getting at, but just surrendering into the moment. What does that take? And it doesn't even have to be about parenting, just in general. I can get very caught up in perfectionism and having to, you know, have everything figured out. And yeah. I know a lot of people can. What does it take to get over that hump? I think you have to ask yourself what it's... My personal development style is confrontational, okay? I'm not confrontational like a motivational person, but, you know, you could do it. You know, like, I'm confrontational like, well, let's look at not only your truth, but the other truths that you live with that you can ignore. And one of the things that, that I invite people to take a look at is to tell the truth about what it's really like for you. So people might say, well, I'm single-minded, or I'm independent, or I'm... And I'll say, well, what's it really like? Like, take away all the nonsense that you tell yourself and the justifications and the reasons why you do it, and stay away from the sunny side of the street. Because people are like, well, you know, I mean, I give it my best effort. I say, well, let's get some dirt under our fingernails. 
tell the truth, what's it like for you? And when you get in there, it's not the best. It's not. It's often overwhelming. It's often anxious. It's often isolationist, like you feel disconnected at times and alone. Um, and then with that brings, you know, its own sense of like second guessing yourself and, you know, what am I doing and where's my life going? And then, you know, you'll drink with some positivity juice and oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here. Tell the truth, like, what's that like? And when you peel back the layers with people, you always get to the same thing and it's always the same thing. It's exhausting. Mm. It's exhausting getting myself back up and then down and then back up and then down and then back up and then down. And when you confront the reality of living that way, then letting go of something or surrendering to something is, it's like, wow, like I don't have to be this way. I don't have to. Like I could be another way. And I'm, I might be confused about that and I might not be sure about all of that. Even what I'm going to do now, I might not even like, what am I going to do next? But the big changing point for people is when you really confront the reality of what it's like for you to be you and sustain that day in and day out. And you'll see, this is why, you know, when I tell people, nobody's authentic. Everybody's just pretending, you know, and we're pretending because we have to. And we'll be pretending for so long that we've forgotten that this is a pretext. Mm. We've forgotten that this is something we came up with to try and make it. And that's the exhausting thing. It's not the pretending that's the exhausting. It's the pretending that you're not pretending that's exhausting. What are people pretending for clarity? Lots of things, but mostly just that they are who they say they are. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, less than 10 minutes on Twitter can blow your mind. <laughs> that it can, especially now right? that Elon bought it. That's for sure. Well, when somebody comes to you and introduces themselves and shakes their hand, they're presenting you with something, right? And so most people get that in the sense of like when you first meet someone, we're all pretending, mm. right? I'm kind of pretending, you know, this. But what if I was to say, well, but no, no, in the day-to-day -day life for the people in your life that you know you're pretending, it's a pretense. It's a, but it's not a conscious pretense. It's not like, well, let me get some fake on here. But our lives are filled with layers of withholds, lying, resentments, and then just straight up what I call inauthenticity is like going into situations and actively pretending to be one way when in fact something else is going on with me. Interesting. And freedom for people is when you can tell yourself the truth about that. You know, it's not about telling everybody else. It's just setting yourself down and saying, okay, you know, like how much longer am I going to sustain this? And I remember this was probably, this is probably about 15 years ago now. And for me, I'd become this hardworking, single-minded guy. You know, I was driven to, you know, produce results in my life and my business. And, and I would work whatever hours. It's all good for me, you know. And built into that was one, some kind of heroism, right? Like I'm heroic. And then the other thing that was wrapped up in a little collapsed in it was, I don't need anybody, right? Which was a childhood pretense mm. that I'd become stuck with as an adult man. I don't need you. Now, some people might be like, well, that independence is good and I'll fire you. Yeah, go ahead. Try to be married to that. Mm, right, yeah. Right. I mean, that's just great to be married to that person who underneath it all is, I don't need you. You know, I mean, I'm in partnership with you, and I'm, but don't ask me to, you know, open up and give you my all, and I'll sound great, and I'll love you, and la, 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 la. 
but there's always something held back. And so the pretense is, you know, I'm independent and I've got it together and I know what I'm doing. And and it was all just a facade, just come together from my childhood where someone has to come up with a persona to try and make it in life, which is what everybody does. And that was the one that I got stuck with until I started to do that work. Absolutely. Now, you and I were face-to-face for the first time here, so I'm going to ask you a question. How does one tell if someone's pretending? And the reason I'm asking this is because I can feel right now that you're not pretending, right? The way that we opened this conversation was about, you know, you in the UK with the boys and everything that's going on with soccer and you opening up about your, like, I know you're not pretending. I know this isn't an act, but if I'm in New York City right now, if I go out to a bar and I meet a lovely young lady tonight and you know, yeah. like how, how does someone gauge if someone's pretending or not? And then I'm going to throw in a second question here. How do you help someone feel comfortable enough to stop the pretending? Yeah. So everybody's pretending. Now, the the first doorway to not pretending is to admit you're pretending. Okay. So you're pretending. No, I just told you, I just stole my guts to you. Authenticity is when I tell you the truth about me. Right. And I've got nothing to hide. Right. There's no pretense. I've, I'm not trying to project anything to you. I'm not trying to give you something about me so that you'll freaking admire me or something. You know, I don't fucking care whether you admire me or not. <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> right. But my, and my reality is I can only be myself because I've been that other guy mm. and I was dying on my feet. I couldn't see the whole point of authenticity is fun of of inauthenticity is ultimately to be admired in some way Mm. for somebody to look at you and see you in a good light right or in a certain light that to you thinks will work for you right right like some people are inauthentically mean so i'm going to be mean to you to get you to stop so that i'll leave you in no doubt you shouldn't mess with us so authenticity begins by telling the truth and this is where it gets skewed in society because we'll become just fascinated by this idea of a personal truth, mm. right? Like, I'm, I need to speak my truth, which ultimately becomes, I need to just let you know how shit it is for me. Right. Right? That's, not your, that's not your truth. Your truth would be something like, man, I've let life really get shit and I've blamed everybody else for it. Mm. That's the truth. Some people, when they say stuff like that, it's the first authentic thing they've ever said in their life. Now, there are, there are yet yeah, again, those some other people who might say, well, I say that all the time. Yeah, but do you say that? Or is that some mechanism you use? So you've got self-blamers, right? It's inauthentic. Blaming others, it's inauthentic. Neither of them are telling the truth. Mm. So the truth is just when you can get lay the cards on the table about what you're really up to, including all your little manipulation techniques and all the little bits of shitty things you do to get life to go your way. And basically how you, I mean, we're, we're a planet of manipulators. We're, we're all trying to manipulate life in our favor. How do you do that? By manipulating people. How do I do that? By either I get them to like me. I get them to respect me. I get them to avoid me. I get them to, you know, be comfortable around me or uncomfortable around me, depending on the subject matter. I get to leave them with the impression that I don't care, Mm. or I get to leave them with the impression that I really do care. It's all a methodology for having life turn in our favor. So the desire to pretend essentially stems from growing up, childhood. 
Yeah, you can't escape it. Yeah. I mean, look, if I if I was to ask you about your childhood, right? You, no one's going to sit and tell. Well, it's all started when I was two. I mean, you'll tell me this kind of brief. You know, here's what I'm. But if I would say, give me a couple of memories from your childhood that stuck in your mind, you'd tell me about those things, mm. right? And you'd and they'd be pretty clear to you. You'd be like, oh yeah, there was this time. I think I was 10, and my dad said, and then it was a moment that everything changed for me. You can remember certain key moments of your life. Well, I assert that those moments were key in the formation of the you that you've become. Mm. So the you that you've become came from those milestones in your childhood. And, you know, I talk about them in all my books. I, I think part of the problem, and, and I like this problem, it's a good problem, I don't, in my books, I don't like to give it all to you. I like you to work it out mm. because that's when the juice is good, you know. I could just lay it out in a really linear way, right? This is how your personality works and this is what you do. That wouldn't make any difference. It'd be like, it'd be like, you know, watching a basketball game. You just be like, I saw it, yeah. right? What I'd like to do is say, okay, get the kicks on, get on the court, here's the ball. And then you're like, oh, shit, I'm in the game. <laughs> You'll never forget that game, right? Because you've got to play now. And, I, and what I like to get people to do is if you – I encourage people to read all my books, not because, you know, it makes me money, because it does, you know, it makes me money. But the books all connect. I was going to say that. Connected, right? So there's these, like, bits in maybe one book where, I, where, I, where I'll lay something out for you to think about, and then in another book, I'm, we're going to dive into that, and I'm going to take you somewhere else with that. You're going to see there's a that there's a kind of holistic philosophy there. But I don't want people to live by my philosophy. I want people to investigate philosophy and take out of that what really empowers the crap out of them. Mm. Then it's theirs. It's not mine. Yeah. It's their own, right? And that's, that's a big challenge, but it's a good challenge. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious because... I've noticed how all of your books stack up and connect, right? In fact, I actually have one of your books next to me. I was just going through it to see what I highlighted. I think I read this back in 2017. 2017, yes. five years ago, I was 25 years old. So that's a very different person, you know? But yeah. knowing that your books stack up, knowing Gary, and forgive me if I'm wrong, if I don't get these numbers correctly, but I believe you've been married for 25 plus years. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's correct. But you just mentioned that you started this inner work, the personal development stuff 15 years ago. So I'm right. I'm curious, knowing that things stack up and knowing that one of your most recent books was about relationships, do you feel like people need to work on themselves before they find their person in today's day and age, knowing that's not necessarily the route that you took? I think it's a good idea. I mean, I'll give you well, one. Somebody asked me, what's your advice for Younger people, okay? And and I don't do advice, right? I mean, but fuck it, you know. <laughs> the advice was don't come out of your 20s without having completed your past. Don't come out of your 20s without having completed your past. Right. Don't come out of your 20s without having done that work. Now, that's my advice. For clarity, does completed your past mean, quote unquote, heal, which is a very sexy word that gets thrown around? Yeah. So... No, I fucking hate that whole healing shit, right? <laughs> but it's a good word. <laughs> it's a good word. It is a good word because I think people have the experience of something maybe getting better, you know, like that yeah. experience. But and so I'm going to give you a little kind of tidbit in this book, right? So 
healing in the modern sense of the word, you have to be one of two things. You either have to be the victim or the repentant sinner. Mm. You can't be anything else in healing. You can only be the victim and the repent of the repentant sinner. And even if you're the repentant sinner, the way that people do this work now is they loop it around to get you into the victim thing, and then you can heal from there, mm. right? But the whole thing is rooted in one thing and one thing only. So either you're the repentant sinner, you're the victim. All healing must deal with this thing called blame. Mm. Blame is the anchor, the catalyst to the past. So it's everything about your past would not exist if there was no paradigm for blame. There has to be blame for it to per persist in your life. I, mean, I think one of the worst things I ever hear people say is, oh, I'm done with that. I'm over that. I mean, I roll my fucking eyeballs so far back in my head when someone talks that way. I'm just like, stop. You are not done. I am done. And let me tell you why I'm done. And I'm like, you're doing it right now. Like, this is why you're not done. <laughs> if you don't have any fucking tell me about it, you're not done. But anyway, I deconstruct this whole thing called blame. Like, what is it? What's it about? Why do we do it? Right. And what is the impact that it has in our life? So, if you could actually get and you could clearly see for yourself how you came out of that childhood, how you came out of it. And I'm not talking about, you know, shit like my dad was a jerk and my mom was a guan I was raised on random, you know, I get all that. I know all that. I've gone through those storylines, those narratives with people for a long time and helped them unpack it. But you have to understand, like, it's all, everything that's holding it together is this thing called blame. Blaming myself, blaming somebody else, blaming a time, blaming an era, blaming a, a circumstance, blaming a geographical location, blaming, blaming a culture, right? Blaming my biology, their biology, down and on and on. If you could deconstruct blame, there is no victim or repentant sinner. Mm. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. What am I left with? I'm left with what happened. But that's it. Yeah. That's all I'm left with is what happened. And if there's no blame, then it, it has no grip on me, can't penetrate me. And then I'm free. Now, you know, I've just kind of created that for you and talked you through that. That's kind of like that's kind of like the room that you want to get yourself into. Right. The work that needs to be done in that room is dirty because you'll be confronted by impact. You'll be confronted by how much you're blamed and you'll be confronted. You know, sometimes seemingly cruelly confronted by what you've done with your life, right? Even though you might have had really terrible shit done to you, you can't escape what you've done. Right. And, but the good news is when you get there, when you get to that part, and that's not an easy part always for people to get to, but when you get to that part, the game is about to change in a big way. So essentially making amends with the past really just comes down to removing blame from the experiences of your lifetime, whether it be, you know, how your parents may have brought you up or girlfriends, boyfriends breaking up with you, et cetera, et cetera. Just remove the blame from it. I mean, I would love to say that it's that simple. I'd love to just give people the t-shirt and the bumper sticker and say you did it. But that is what has to happen, mm. right? That is what has to happen. And, it, and But that's... That's a pathway. That's a road for someone to go down. And, you know, I recommend people, you know, if you're going to do that work, and I recommend everybody does that work, even if you think you don't need that work, because you're, you know, you're, you're not conscious of what's weighing you down as a human being. Mm. It's only when you bring it into the light, you're like, oh, you got 
you know, like that's, and then when you do that work, by the way, so much of your life makes sense. Like it just makes sense. It's like, ah, damn. Mm. Now it's coming together for me. And that's what, there's so much that we do. The vast majority of what we do is an unconscious level. It's not conscious. It's like it was, and then it's boom, sunk down at the bottom of the ocean and it sits down there and it's just shaping everything. What we're busy doing is trying to solve the problems on the surface. Right. You know, or maybe we'll go down a little bit, like, oh yeah, I can see that that I'm the child of I don't know, a drug addict and that's my problem. No. Mm. You've barely got a toe in the door. Barely. Now you're just kind of like, go follow that path. What's down there? What do you see? And it's funny because, you know, I do stuff on TikTok and I'll do something on Instagram. And everybody has to get to the same spot. If you actually have a transformation, you know, everybody has to get to the same spot. Not everybody gets to the same spot over the same period of time. And not everybody gets to the same spot cleanly. Some people get there relatively cleanly. Some people, oh, this is not my shit show. And... Everybody has to get to, it's on me now, so now what? Everybody has to get there. Now, some people say they're there, but they're not there free. They're there with baggage. Mm. That ain't it. You got to get there free. They're there with, and I'm going to show those assholes, you know, whatever. That ain't it. That's not it. You're still bringing it with you. And like I said, that that work, that kind of work, it's very invasive. Mm. It's not. You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, yeah, I've just realized I'm an asshole. Dude, I would love if it was that freaking easy. Everybody would just, like, get up, look in the mirror, I'm an asshole. Oh, yeah, great. No, let's get on with it. It's not. It's invasive, and it's hard, and it's challenging. And, you know, I've said this numerous times in the past. I've said the value in my books is not what's in those books, but in the gaps between the paragraphs where you think. Mm. That's the value. That's where the book comes to life. There's no, so many people tell me, I read the book. There was no empirical evidence in there. And I'm like, dude, you missed the whole key point. You're supposed to go in there and think more things. Right. You're supposed to go in there. And so much in this genre is little more than, little more than intellectual masturbation. It's just people got reading shit and they're like, oh, that's so great. Oh, my, look at the stats behind that. You know, like, difference is that made to your life? <laughs> what, what is that? Oh, I know the numbers. <laughs> right. Um, which is okay, but no, I, that's not my work. My work is philosophical. My work is 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 very much internal and in and then kind of pointing you in the right path of being someone who can work on themselves by themselves. Right. I love this. I'm curious, if there was a formula for removing blame, what would that look like? I'm sure some sort of like forgiveness is involved to an extent. Yeah. But like what else is involved if there no, was like a concoction? So forgiveness is, can be really good, right? Forgiveness can really work, but but it relies on that dynamic of victim and repentance or repentance center. True. So you have to be the victim and forgive somebody. True. Right? Forgiveness work can be really valuable. People get a lot of value out of that. I'm not diminishing that in any way. But there's a tr- a, just a trove of people who are just like freaking away. Yeah. Am I approaching it from forgiveness? Because what they did, even though they don't realize by doing that, they're literally locking themselves in even deeper. And they say stuff like, I can't. And I say stuff like, well, you haven't done enough work on yourself for that to change. So it's actually a won't. Mm. It's not a can't. 
it's not wrong. Right. Because you, you got to you got to find what works for you. But if you start to kind of add a little bit of muscle to your thinking and really ponder some some of the things that we believe to be true, right? Which things like blame, like blame's a real thing. And in society, we're fascinated by blame, like it solves shit, right? Like who made the hole in the fucking boat? Who did that? <laughs> And I'm like, who fucking cares? There's a hole in the boat. Right. Right. Like, well, can we not sort this out later? Let's <laughs> sort that shit up right now. As we go through life, we are addicted to it. We become addicted to blame. And I really and I really mean that in the truest sense of the word. I'm not using that word flippantly. Mm. We're addicted to blaming. You know, like our head like fucking spins on a pivot when something goes wrong. Right. Who did that? Right. Rather than like, oh shit, maybe I need to do something here. Mm. I, I talk about it in the book. It's it's like anthropological. It's something we've learned over thousands of years because we're tribal, because we want to be part of our tribe. And one way to stay in the tribe is to stay blameless. Mm. So there's a lot of morality attached to it as well. And you know, anybody who's ever been blamed for something knows the absolute horror of it. Right? Like, especially if you have not done it. But even if you have done it, getting blamed, right, is like, right, because it's like, it's like you're alone. It's like you're, you're not included now. It's like you're being judged, right? When, when people get all rebellious and don't judge me, <laughs> everybody's fucking judging everybody. But anyway, <laughs> they are. It's incredible. There's no end to that thing, too. I'd be just for judgy people. Yeah. But anyway, so you really have to, I, I think in this new book, I really lay it out for people in a way that they can really get their arms around it and see one, that you blame, I'm not even blaming you for that, because that would be bankrupt, mm -hmm. right? I'm not blaming you for blaming, I'm just, I just want you to realize that you do and then start to confront the reality of a life of blaming, even if it's, I'm blaming I mean, it's amazing. We'll be late for work, and it's just like the weather and the traffic, and the, rather than just like, "Hey, I'm late." Pure accountability. But the need, yeah. But the need to explain is all to offset the possibility of being, you know, looked upon in a bad way in the tribe. Yeah. Even if it's the work tribe, and you don't even like that workplace, but again, right? We don't. We just don't want it. We don't want, like you said, pure accountability. Like, I'm late. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And you think of all the clutter we put in our lives with the because, or, you know, my body is the way because, my finances are the way because, my relationships are the way because, rather than just like divorced or I'm single. Mm. Why? Because I am. Yeah. You know, my body is the way it is because of the way that I treat it, good or bad. It's the way it is. My friendships are the way they are because. They are the way they are. I'm not going to start. And it's such, again, one of those very freeing things. Like, you know, uh, when I used to, I recently got approached by this very famous soccer player. If I would coach this person, and I don't coach people anymore, but I thought, oh, this will be fun. All right, I'll do it. And um, this is an elite athlete. This is someone very, very peak of their game. You know, not even hitting their best years yet. You know, an elite, elite, elite athlete. And, you know, I just got really clear. But this is somebody who, by the way, is the top of their game, right? This is somebody who has separated themselves from an absolute ocean of human beings. Mm. 
and demonstrated an ability to function at an elite level. And, and I've coached lots of athletes, basketball players, you know, lots of them, and it's always the same. The life isn't elite. The game is not elite, elite, but the life's not elite. Life's not elite. And then so the limitations of the game can be found in the life. Mm. You know, elite isn't a clout, right? Or a kite. You can't just fucking throw it on, you know. You're either elite or you're not, right? Right. You're either functioning. Now, there's some athletes, if you look at the, the ones who are the standards, like Kobe or Cristiano Ronaldo, what's that stuff apart? Every aspect of the life is elite. And even if there were elements of the life that turned out they weren't elite, they corrected it because they realized it wasn't elite. Right. So to be able to function at those levels, it's amazing how we have kind of downgraded our existence and tolerated and accepted performance and tolerated and accepted things in our life by explaining it away in that paradigm of blame again, rather than being like, well, hold on a minute. If I take all of that away, I'm just left with what's so. Right. And I don't have to add all that narrative and that's there's just what's so. And what am I going to do about it? Or not. It leads me to ask you this, Gary, you know, talking about elite athletes, are we able to be elite in all areas of life at once? So for instance, you know, the buckets of life, whether that be relationships or career finance or health, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, can we be elite in all of those? Well, I think, I think if you look at life through the everyday lens that people look at life, no. Okay. Right. But the lens that I look at life from is a lens called integrity. Mm. I look at life from, does this work? Right. Does this work? Right. And if it works, then great. And if it doesn't work, what do I need to do to make it work? That's it. So if I look at life from integrity and I look around my life, I look at, say, for instance, my health, I look at my finances, or I look at, and I tell myself the truth, does this work? If the answer is no, then, and I've just admitted to myself that it's no. This doesn't work. Then it would lack integrity for me to continue, let it continue that way. Mm. I'd have to do something about it. Yeah. Or I'd be out of integrity because I've just acknowledged that doesn't work. And I'm just going to fucking sit here and do nothing about it. What about my marriage? What if that doesn't work? Well, if you acknowledge it doesn't work, I have. Okay, what are you doing about it? Mm. Because if you don't do anything about it, then it lacks integrity. They're not being true. True to what? True to myself. True to who I would even say I am. So people tolerate. And I don't mean this in a really kind of righteous way, but people tolerate a lack of workability in areas of the life, and they settle with their explanation for it. Well, because rather than like, oh, hold on a minute, it doesn't work. Mm. Right? If your car breaks down in the middle of the road, you're not just going to sit in the car and be like, well, I guess that's us. Just sit here until I die now. Mm. No, you're going to be like, I need to do something, but this doesn't work. I need to be in action and get this situation resolved. Well, it's the same with your body. It's the same with your finances. So can I be elite in every area of my life? Yes, I can. But it depends if I'm willing to see it honestly and truthfully with myself through that kind of lens, a lens of personal integrity. But not personal integrity like most people relate to integrity like some you know, being better than somebody or morality. It's not that. It's like from my sense of self, from my sense of self, if I tell myself the truth about my life, what am I tolerating? What am I putting up with? That does not honor me Mm -hmm. as a human being. I am not honoring who I am here. And that's a fucking tragedy that I don't honor who I am. Right. And so I'm going to honor who I am and I'm going to start being in action in my life with the things that don't work 
and bringing workability to them and restoring integrity in those parts of my life, including broken relationships, broken promises, you know, a whole host of things. And when I start to do that, that work, guess what happened? My sense of self grow. I literally experience myself in a new way. And I'm not, I can't even begin to tell people how revolutionary this fucking is. You will experience yourself as powerful. You'll experience yourself as somebody who like gets shit done, right? And like I say, you know, people say, what do I do with procrastination? I say, well, you first realize that it's voodoo. It's not real. It's not a thing, right? You're just living in a way that you don't honor yourself. Why do we not honor ourselves? You honor some other shit. Is it because of a lack of self-worth? We're fucking lazy. No, we're lazy fuckers. So it's it's pretty much been laid. To, no, I mean, and I and I really mean that. <laughs> like I include myself. I'm not walking on air over here, right? But Heidegger said it too. You know, like we're human beings by and large are just too lazy to interrupt the rest of their lives, right? And it's because we are, and I think this is a throwback thousands of years. Uh, we are wired to try and find the easiest way to do something. We are. We're yeah. wild that way. We, you you know, somebody gives you a task, you're already like, can I find a way to do that in half the time? And it's still the same result. We're good, right? Which sounds good until you get on an airplane and if the pilot was to take the same approach, you'd be like, well, hold on a minute. No, you should stick to the rules and do it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. Right. Right. And then if you would, even in that example, if you were to say to somebody, well, why doesn't the pilot, you know, we can let him cut a few corners now. And people say, well, no. And I say, well, why not? And they would say, well, because lives are at stake. <laughs> and I'll say, fucking exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't, because your life's at stake. Right. And it's that important. So very often, I've lost count the amount of people I've worked with over the years. And all we really did was just start to get them on track with honoring who they are and getting their life in shape. And they produced mind-blowing results in their lives. Yeah. And then, then you're just like, you know, fly a little bird, go do your thing. You know, it's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned working with high performance athletes and whatnot. Is it possible to perform well on the court or on the field or whatever the case may be, even if the life, you know, the life itself is potentially in shambles, right? Um, it, yeah. It, it is. It is possible. Right. Okay. But. You have to kind of get the reason why that's the case. I'm curious, yeah. Um, so people have, yeah, so people have done it. Like Kobe Bryant did it, right? Kobe Bryant was still raining down threes, and while his life was plastered over every tabloid show and newspaper in the country. That's true. Right, right. And he was stepping up every night and just clunk, clunk, right? And this game never went down at all, right? And... So it kind of it kind of alludes to something. Now I want to say he's the exception that proves the rule. Though mm. I think Michael Jordan may be another one, right? Right, who was able to be so engaged with what he's doing that it had either little or no impact. Because ultimately, especially in sports, sports people think psychology is the key in sports, and it's not. It's mechanics. Interesting. It's can you hit the shot with any noise? Can you hit the shot if you're happy? Can you hit the shot if you're sad? Can you hit the shot if you're angry? Can you hit the shot if you don't think you can hit the shot? Because if you can hit the shot when you don't think you can, then you're hitting it. Right. No matter what. So these are people who were able to at least perform in a way that their internal state wasn't a deciding factor. Mm. 
right? That's not most people. Right. Now, do you have... Most people, your internal state is the deciding factor. Do you have to practice? So for instance, right, if I'm Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, or Michael Jordan, whomever, do you need to practice the mechanics in the state, for instance... I just had a a breakup and I know I have a game tonight against the Knicks. Do I have to practice my mechanics in the state that I'm in, for instance, sadness or anger or whatever, to be able to perform well at an elite level in that state when the game is on the line and stuff? Well, you you should already have done that anyway. Yeah. So you should already have done that. Sports people, by and large, are very superstitious because they think that their success had something to do with how they felt. Mm. So they're always trying to replicate a way that they felt before. Right. So they have these routines and shit, you know, like I rubbed the lucky white rabbit's foot <laughs> and then I put my socks on in this order. Why? Because that one time that I did it, I nailed 40 points. And then I did it again, I nailed 38 points. So clearly it's got something to do with the order of the socks. I mean, and you should hear some of the stuff that people have convinced themselves is true. My pregame meal, my da 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 Like, I'm like, well, what if you don't get your meal? You're fucked. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, but why? It's <laughs> What's that got to do with spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with spaghetti. You know, do with. And so I'm not diminishing how people feel. Like, you know, how you feel is important and should be acknowledged and fully experienced and not diminished in any way. I just want people to get, by and large, in life, you have a tremendous capacity to produce results regardless. Right. This was the fastest hour of my life, by the way, Gary. I mean, I, I could sit here and ask you a million and one more questions. I do want to respect your time. So I'm going to ask you a couple more. First one being out of total curiosity. I've listened to you on podcasts. I've you know watched videos and whatnot, read the books. I'm just curious, what's a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Um, I wish more people would ask me about themselves. Okay. How would you, how would I go about doing that? You tell me the truth about something you're wrestling with. And then we don't pack it. That's interesting. And do you feel like people don't do that because of what we said earlier? They pretend. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking hard to be a human being. Mm. The threat of not pretending is a big one. Yeah. It's not an easy thing. I'm not saying it is, but it is the thing to do. Absolutely. I would gladly open up to you right now if we had more time because I, I, I'm an open book on this show, maybe potentially too vulnerable, but I want to first and foremost, let everyone know that your links to websites, books, socials, and all of that will be in the show notes. I want to plug this new book in. Do you have a release date in mind? Anything like that that we could let people know about? I don't right now. I'm still even like wrestling with a title, okay. but um, but uh, it'll be uh, in 2023 for sure. But there's a bunch of stuff coming out this year too. I got a planner that we've been working on is coming out. And then obviously in the next year's 2023 calendars coming out, which is always a big deal for me because those calendars, you know, we, we really put the work in to make sure that every day gets you right between the eyeballs. Yeah, I love that. Now, is the best way to, for yeah. people to keep up with that stuff on your Instagram? Yeah, Instagram, and believe it or not, I still have Facebook. I have a very small Twitter following. It's just a little too crazy for me in there. Okay. And then, you know, we're new to TikTok, so we're at the 
and I put in videos there. Who knows, maybe some of this video will make on the uh, TikTok. I love that. I absolutely love it. I'm going to ask you one last question. You live to whatever year you want to live. You see your boys play for whatever club you want to see them play for or whatever club they want to play for. You write as many books. You hop on as many podcasts. You impact as many people. Gary can only be remembered for one piece of advice, though. So, for instance, if I think of Gary John Bishop, this one piece of advice comes to mind. What is that piece of advice? You have the life you're willing to put up with. You have the life you're willing to put up with. That's a beautiful freaking thing. Period. That is a beautiful freaking thing. I'm going to mic drop on that note. Gary, expressing gratitude to you for this. Would love to have you back when the new book comes out. Because like I said, I could talk to you for the rest of the day. This was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you. You have just tuned into the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Gary John Bishop. As mentioned earlier, I hope you showed up true for yourself. I hope you put your hand over your heart and said, I'm not going to wear a mask during this. I'm just going to let it be real and be honest and just be very transparent with myself. As I did as the host here, as Gary did as the guest here, that is where real growth happens. So I just want to express gratitude again for you tuning into this and giving you your flowers for showing up for yourself. I think that's really important. So I'm saying thank you for you, and you should put your hand back over your heart and say thank you for showing up the way that you did during this episode. Giving a huge shout out to Gary. You could check him out in the show notes of this episode where you can find books, websites, socials, all of that good stuff. Those are always in the show notes, but I always have to say it. Lastly, there's people in your life that need to hear this. If you haven't shared this episode yet, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or text message, word of mouth, I'm asking you to share it, not for me, but for the people that really, really need to hear what was spoken about in this episode. So again, make sure you're doing so. This episode is totally free, as all of them are, but if there was a fee, it would be to share these episodes. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.